Hey everyone, this is Brian McCadden, your host for the podcast After Session. After Session is a Dungeons & Dragons discussion podcast where me and my guest will talk about the world's greatest role-playing game and all of our experiences that go along with it. Today, I'm joined once again by Nick. Nick, welcome back to the show. I'm basically your sidekick, you know, on like late night shows at this point. You know, there's a, there's a word for that. It's called co-host. I like co-host is like working together because you're doing most of the work on these things. Uh, true. We'll yeah. just stick to guest. How about that? All right. So recently, Tosh's Cauldron of Everything came out. We've been sitting on it for a few weeks. And uh, along with sitting on it, we've also been reading it. Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is a supplement to Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. There are probably three core rule books that you would normally have in a game. There are the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster Manual. These three are the kind of the holy trinity and the supplements, stuff like Xanathar's Guide to Everything, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. All of those just kind of add to the base game. There are things to enhance your experience. We've gotten a pretty good look at them over the last two weeks is when I got mine. I don't know when Nick got his, but a lot of big changes, a lot of new content added to the game. This is probably the supplement I've most looked forward to since I started playing fifth edition. I can't talk for Nick, but I was really excited when this book came out and I wanted to get our thoughts out there. Nick, What, which supplement were you most excited for? When Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes came out, I was like DMing at that time. So that was that was a good book to have, especially when with all those new monsters specifically. Uh, there was no, oh, I've ran that monster before with the players. So it was super fun with that. But now as someone who's preferably just playing, Asha's Cauldron of Everything is good, man. It's got a lot of stuff. It makes makes being a player so different, but in like a good streamlined way possible. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that was a big add to Dungeons and Dragons, this is one of the more popular Unearthed Arcanas. For those of you who don't know, Wizards of the Coast, the makers and managers of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, released these things called Unearthed Arcana, which is basically just playtest material that they release out to the public. And they allow players to give feedback and screw around with these things that they kind of just insert unofficially into the game. It's basically the, uh, the minor leagues of... Dungeons and Dragons content and if it gets good feedback or people like the idea then they'll include it in a supplement within that calendar year if, it, if a year passes and they don't include it I'm pretty sure they just axe it and kind of leave it on the shelf but that's Unearthed Arcana and in a recent one they had a optional rules Unearthed Arcana and that one did extremely well the community enjoyed it a lot and those rules and the changes that people enjoyed really manifested themselves in Tasha's Cauldron and everything. So we're going to start with that first. Nick, are there any optional rules for you that really jump off the page, can change up a play style, enable a play style, or just is a quality of life buff to any of the 13 classes in the game? Oh, mainly focus on ranger here because his optional rules are 
the replacement features for a lot of the original stuff and the rangers specifically has had struggle with being one of the more mainstream classes to play mainly because you every player that plays them usually find them to be weak eventually in the game but with some of the new rules that they added that you can use instead is mainly focused on the role-playing aspect for a lot of it it makes the ranger very viable not just with talking animals stealth and uh yeah i got nothing else for that but I really like the ranger one, especially since I'm such a fan of like the archetype and I've never really been able to experience it well in D&D. Like Lord of the Rings, I'd say Aragon is a prime example of a ranger. And he he was my fictional role model when I was growing up. <laughs> but, you, you know, just with a few tweaks here and there on this ranger subclass, I'm excited to play it. And I'd say that's what I'm most interested in. But as well, the note like noticeable mentions are the spell classes or the classes that get spells as like part of their main features. So like a bard or a wizard or a sorcerer, they've added new spells to their list that they can know. And you know, some of these spells are crazy and it just changes the like the strategy and the gameplay that you can use with some of these spells available to them now that they've never had before so which specific ranger ones catch your eye i know that the additional spells in my opinion were nice but not anything game breaking i think their support value and their value to their fellow party members goes up they have some cool ones like summon beasts a new second level spell and summon elemental which is also a, another spell that is a fourth level spell featured in Tasha's Cauldron. They have a few fighting styles, w- one of which most notably is Druidic Warrior, which I think is one of the greatest fighting styles in the game. So I wanted to ask you what specifically really caught your eye. For me, for the Ranger, it was the Roving one at sixth level. So in Dungeons and Dragons, you have a speed, and it, this one increases your movement speed by five and you can also climb and swim equal to that speed so that one's really cool you can climb trees scale walls swim through torrent and rivers and also just move quicker across the battlefield so which one of these really caught your eye yeah i'd say the depth explorer is a lot more in game focused so in combat and stuff you'll be able to use a lot of these uh, these abilities that natural explorer the original first level feature a lot better i mean it just feels like you're going to be using some of the features that the ranger has never really take note took notice of before and with some of the later ones too especially the one i really like uh hide in plain sight is good and all you have to be hidden pretty well though find the foliage nature's veil the replacement they gave for it It is the short invisibility cast. You get it for about one round, but that's like, that is a powerful one round of invisibility you get. Yeah, additionally, it's a bonus action. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't even take your main action. So if you want to, you can still attack or dash while also turning yourself invisible on the same turn. 
So that is a really potent ability. Granted, it is a level 10 ability, but it is way better than hide in plain sight, which it is substituting for. And some of the other uh, class features, you know, may not be the best choices for a placement. Like I look at barbarian ones and the rogue ones and okay, I could use it on specific classes. You know, none of these are bad at all by any means, but I just really like the addition to some of the like weaker classes, like the ranger. Uh, I think of the bard as well. One thing that really? I was bummed- you think of a, the bard as a weak class, or do they have good additions? They have some weak abilities, like six level. When you hit that, there's just a, it's a completely useless ability that I don't think I've ever seen a bard use called counter charm. They didn't put a replacement in Tasha's. They had one for the. Uh, unearthed arcana which i'm bummed about that they didn't keep it in but they have different things they can add to their inspiration which is one of the main features of the bard and that seems like does make you kind of versatile when giving out different inspiration dice instead of just being straightforward in uh, what like your other players can use the inspiration for also another thing that they didn't put in is I know, I know it's like, yay, Tasha's, but the classes that have limited spell lists, Bard being one of the examples, the Unearthed Arcana, which I thought was really helpful, was the ability to replace spells, kind of like some of the other classes, like I think the Cleric mainly. Cleric's king of replacing spells. So basically what you can do is now if you realize that a spell is not as good as you thought or isn't as good at, at a later point in the game uh, upon level up or reaching a certain level, you can change out one of your spells yeah. and uh, re- replace it with a new one, which is great quality of life. I think the biggest thing about Tosh's is that it adds more flexibility and that's really what I think the community likes is they like the options to do different things. And so I think that this supplement does a really good job of making that more of a possibility because like the optional class rules it's not like they're overhauling classes they're just saying like hey by the way if you want to change things up or a change of pace for your favorite class you can now have these spells you can now have this ability or whatever yeah that's just such a unique introduction to the game that was long overdue you know i would like some of these classes to have like have the similar feature to clerics and druids where they get access to all of it and they prepare certain spells but even now getting to replace like a lower level spell with something that's either higher level or just works better than another spell you have it does help uh, as a player having a bit more versatility and usage out of your character instead of just having some of these like features or spells that are just in the trunk probably never to be uh coming out you know you store it with the the spare tire back there yeah it's very forgiving especially for new players where you don't really you might not know the s tier or a tier spells that a lot of people take and or you don't you might think something is more useful or you might have passed up a spell that's really useful and you didn't know it and that's really nice as a new player, especially of being like, oh, I kind of messed up. But now that I've learned the game, I can go back and write that wrong, I guess. It's not really a wrong, but it's just like, a, hey, I kind of want this 
feature as opposed to my other one. My character's gone into a new direction. We're fighting more undead, so I have like more radiant damage. So just stuff like that is really cool. And to me, it makes sense. Hero would be able to pivot, at least in my opinion, and change their strategy and be smart about what spells they're casting and all that stuff. Not only do the spellcasters get like this chance to change out what they previously had, martial classes also have the versatility option of like replacing fighting styles is the one I can most think of at certain levels suggest that you can change your fighting style to something else if you want to go down a different focus like ryan said yeah i really enjoyed that so at fourth sixth eight and any any level that you get an ability score improvement you can change up your fighting style so if you go from if you start out as a very defensive fighter but grow in your role as a damage dealer and you can switch out your fighting style to reflect that. Another thing that I really enjoyed, I think my favorite spell casting or spell caster change in Tasha's is the sorcerer optional class features. The additional sorcerer spells are really good. Booming Blade, Green Flame Blade for cantrips are especially nice. It really leans on the melee sorcerer trope that I really think is interesting. They also get Flame Blade. At level two, also sticking with that trope. And they get cool stuff like Fire Shield at fourth level. Big B's hand. Spell. Big B's hand at fifth that level. Is, that is one of my favorite spells. And the fact that Sorcerers now get it is just... Ooh, I can't wait to like play a Sorcerer with that. Uh, that just sounds so fun. I can see the smile on your face. There's also meta magic options to so Sorcerers are innate casters so it's kind of in their blood in their genes so to speak and one of their class features is they have this thing called metamagic which allows them to manipulate their spells and get them to do different things whether it's extend the spell's range make a twinned version of the spell cast it subtly the new ones in tasha's are seeking spell which if you roll an attack roll for a spell and miss, you can spend some sorcery points and try to re-roll the dice, which can be very useful because it's really frustrating to miss a to-hit spell. So basically what happens is you'll say, I'm going to use Guiding Bolt, and you roll the d20, and if you miss, then the spell doesn't affect them, but you also still lose the, the spell slot, like the usage of that ability, which kind of sucks. That kind of makes up for it and is really nice. They also have my favorite metamagic. I think I'm going to say it's my favorite as of right now. The transmuted spell. I, I love this. Basically, what you can do is you can use one sorcery point to change the damage type of either a acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, or thunder damaging spell to another one of those types. So if you're fighting a red dragon and you know that they're immune to fire damage, you can still use that fireball. And for one sorcery point, you can make it do lightning damage or thunder damage or cold damage. And I think that's really cool. It's also really useful. And it can also open up the option of an elementalist sorcerer, which I think is rad. And I also think that Think of the addition, flavor you can have with that. Casting, you say? Just think of the flavor you can add with that. Casting a, a freaking 
cold ball instead of a fireball. <laughs> the cold ball, the snowball. <laughs> yeah, the, the mightiest snowball that ever was thrown. Yeah. Or like a thunder wave, but with fire. Oh man, some of this stuff sounds really cool with the transmuted spell. Uh, yeah. Metamagic, metamagic option. I think it's one of the coolest flavor and also has some really powerful potential in game. And I think it also opens up the elementalist. I think elementalist is another really great fantasy trope. Someone who has mastered the arcane to the point of manipulating um, like the elements itself or specialize in a type of element. So if they really focused on like ice and water, then I think this is a really good option for that. I think fifth edition has done a poor job at enabling that type of archetype. There is the elemental adept feat featured in the player's handbook, but that just allows you to overcome resistance and make it normal. And your ones are treated as twos whenever you roll damage. Before this, uh, you know, sorcerer changed, you wanted to be an elementalist. You're going to sacrifice a lot of your power or in going down that route, you could be, you know, take the elemental adept multiple times or just once. And then you're also going to have to choose some of the spells that are just downright weaker than others just because of their damage type. But now, like as previously mentioned, Fireball being one of the more S tier spells, you can now have such versatility with just one sorcery point. Keep that in mind. One sorcery point with some of these really powerful spells. Yeah, I, I think it's a game changer. Tasha's also introduced a bunch of new subclasses to the game. So whenever you start a game of Dungeons and Dragons and you make your character, you can choose one of 13 classes to pick from to make your character. This is a basically a skill set. Uh, or an archetype that your character roughly falls into. So there are anything from like a fighter to a priest, a wizard, and a bard, ranger. There's quite a bit of options. And within those, there are subgroups that have a more refined archetype, a more refined style, and a more refined aesthetic that can add a lot of new things into the game for players. In Tasha's, there was quite a bit added. There was at least one added for every class, I believe, with the exception of maybe Artificer. I don't know if Artificer got a new one, but they definitely got printed in the book. Yeah, um, the actual Artificer class is officially printed, and they also got the Armorer subclass, which is kind of dope when I looked at it. Compared to the other ones, like this one seems pretty unique and standout-ish, in my opinion. So we're going to go over our top three. Nick, what is your what is one of your top three? This is in no particular order. I'm really excited about the Way of Mercy Monk as the flavor for that, I think is very unique and nothing like any other monk subclass really gives. Uh, you get, you're essentially like this fighting witch doctor. Just the path you can go down with that. Being able to heal as well as deal extra damage. In my head, I'm imagining this this doctor with all these like kind of like weird torture looking equipments, like 
healing someone with bandages and like taking out pongs or something and using them against against uh, one of an enemy creature or something. I, I really think that would be fun to play. I also looked at, man, there's so many good ones I want to talk about, but... Can I say one of mine? Uh, yeah. You, you might agree on this one. I don't know. But I thought the Oath of the Watchers... I was just about Paladin, to say that. Oh, man. This oh. thing is an absolute beast of a class, and the artwork associated with it is absolutely off the charts rad. On, on the page is a dwarf paladin. Their eyes are kind of like this electric white. They're stoic, covered in silver, the silver sword, sil- silver shield, chain mail. Oh, it's so awesome. This thing is an absolute beast of a class, I think. Or a subclass, sorry. So the the spells associated with it, so whenever you choose a oath <laughs> as a paladin, you get these spells for free, quote-unquote. You get them on your spell list. They're alarm, detect magic, counterspell, banishment, hold monster. Those are the really notable ones, but all the other ones on the class sheet are also pretty damn good. You will not be upset with any of the spells for your oath spells and that's like a really exciting because as half casters paladins get spells but they don't get the most and a lot of times you feel obligated to use them on your smite ability or for smite spells and these are actually ones that you would consider using so as opposed to doing more damage you crazy what'd you say sorry i said a paladin with counter spells sounds so crazy yeah it's it's insane. Alarm is a really great first level spell along with Detect Magic. Very good for utility. Moonbeam is also a favorite spell of mine. Crying sounds a very, it's a very unique option for uh, for a Paladin. You get it at later levels, but I still think that's a really good option put on this subclass. Yeah, and also from a roleplay perspective, whenever you choose a paladin, I think this is one of the coolest things that they put in to subclasses, like in the whole game, is whenever you choose a paladin oath, it gives you the tenets of that oath. So for watchers, it's vigilance, loyalty, and discipline. And although many paladins fit the stoic knight archetype, I think this one is, in my opinion, like the epitome of it. It's a little bit more arcane and a little bit more magically inclined, I think. But I think those tenets are really good. And it it makes sense from an aesthetic perspective and a role-playing perspective. I feel like uh, H.P. Lovecraft would have a character that would be the subclass of the Watcher or Oath of the Watchers. Really? Just from certain astral feelings and cosmic flavor that you know, this class actually has from being essentially a sentinel against all the unknown evils that are not of the material plane, which is the base world of most D&D campaigns. Yeah, I think that, so each each paladin has an aura ability that they get at seventh level. And I actually think that this one, although maybe not the strongest, out of all of them, I think that it is really fun and also flavorful. The whole thing is like being alert. The threats you face are cunning, powerful, and subversive. Be ever alert for their corruption. It's one of the vigilance tenants that they have. And it says, uh, 
basically whenever you're about to fight some baddie anybody within the aura 10 feet around you gets a bonus to your initiative roll so they are also alert and vigilant just being around you and i think that's really cool just the the aesthetic for this class is off the charts for me i love it yeah and that feature also you know, that's based off your proficiency bonus and you get at seven level. So that automatically puts you at a plus three on initiative. And, you know, that wizard that always, uh, you know, rolls low or that one guy in your party that has a history of shit initiative rolls. Who could that be? I, I don't <laughs> know, man. Who would ever do that? I mean, shit, the, uh, the odds are likely that you're bound to to roll a normal amount on initiative. I don't know who could ever be so astronomically bad at that and would need that help. Brian, he's really bad at it. Oh my God. <laughs> if, there is a, if there is a part of tabletop role-playing games that I'm objectively bad at, it is initiative rolls. I don't know how either. Well, like you said, you're bound to roll good eventually, but I've seen multiple like rolls with two ones coming up you have like triple advantage on this and you just you never get it yeah it's a it's a curse i don't know what raw deal i made with some devil but this is my my blood price do you have anything else that we already talked about the way of mercy monk we talked about the oath of the watchers paladin do you have anything else that really jumped off the page for you as far as these subclasses go i mean cleric gets so much love in this edition and they got a lot of love in this uh, supplement, too. From, I'd say all of the subclasses are great. Uh, they have Order Domain, Peace Domain, and the Twilight Domain. I'm really excited for the latter two. Specifically, the Peace Domain, as a mechanic, like looking at it based off its mechanics, it looks really powerful. It looks like one of those uh, S-tier ranking for a subclass i think yeah it's early level abilities are pretty gross yeah not to mention that cleric itself i think is a really strong class to begin with i think this kind of pours it on oh definitely i was expecting you to really enjoy one of the reasons i have my my top three subclasses listed here in front of me i didn't put twilight domain because i figured that you would say something about it I do like the Twilight Domain. That that also looks very strong. I kind of want to play a character that's that because, ooh, some of the abilities are just the most unique compared to all the other subclasses in Cleric and not even just in Cleric. I would say comparably to a lot of the class that like have these magic-based powers that just flavor and add on. This one in particular just has something something else about it i'd say and i'm not i'd give this a really strong super powerful like subclass rating as well as to the peace domain especially you know these early level abilities the cleric get you know you're using them not just only your early levels these are going to be sticking with you and used maybe almost every session especially in the, the twilight domain when i looked at that it's just yeah, it, it's nice to think that you'll be using stuff that you pick up at level one or level two throughout your whole entire character's existence. Like you could be a level 20 character and still find a, a lot of utility and use out of these level one abilities. And that's pretty nice because some abilities will fall off, some spells will fall off. Yeah. When I look at these, there is so much base value. They're not necessarily overpowered, but they are valuable. 
to the point where you will use them a lot. Like Nick said, you'll probably be using them every session. And I know that we've already talked about Ranger. It's gotten a lot of love with the optional rules, almost a complete overhaul for most of their abilities. But another part of the Ranger that I really enjoyed out of Tasha's is the Fey Wanderer subclass. I know that Swarm Keeper might be the people's champion just on the basis of aesthetic. And I do, it, it took all my will not to write down Swarm Keeper and Fey Wanderer on the same note card. But I think that Fey Wanderer as a subclass is more powerful. So for you power gamers or people who care about a very strong character, I think Fey Wanderer has the ability to be a very potent and very able character subclass. Yeah, it essentially allows you to be the face of the party as a ranger, which most rangers I've seen are those like in the back with a hood on, you know, edgy type characters. And I will say that I get some strong abilities, man. Yeah, I enjoy the direction that Tosh's took the ranger. I think they needed a little bit more of an emphasis on wisdom because that was really the thing that set them apart from any other martial class. Well, except for like the monk or any like fighter or like paladin. Half-casters. Yeah. Well, fighter's not a half-caster, but they're still a pretty close cousin. Even a rogue. The thing that set the ranger apart was its interaction, both when it's aesthetic with nature specifically, and also its reliance on wisdom. Fighter, you're usually focused on strength, dexterity, and constitution. For a paladin, you're usually focused on charisma, strength, constitution. And for a ranger, typically you're either a strength if you are a scholar, or if you're not, that's fine. You can be a dexterous ranger. Uh, you also usually want constitution, but wisdom is their spell casting ability and the thing that makes their magic abilities click and for it being part of their class like fully as some of the half caster classes are specifically only subclasses they used barely nothing for wisdom before other than spell casting and so at least as me i knew i could not have the best wisdom as a ranger but now they have some abilities that are based off wisdom which you know gives you more incentive to build your wisdom as a ranger and have this unique play style different from every other martial class available in the game i think it also has compounded the the strength of wisdom in the subclass if you also take the druidic warrior fighting style which was also an option in tasha's basically you learn two druid cantrips and you can also you learn two druid cantrips and they count as ranger spells for you and that's pretty big because the ranger doesn't get cantrips and that allows the ranger to pick up something like shillelagh which yeah. shillelagh thorn whip you're good yeah pull them in those are two really potent spells. For those of you who don't know, cantrips are at-will spells a character can cast. Usually they're the lightest of magic. They're pretty small effects, but they're very 
integral to the game, at least fifth edition. It's very integral. And also scale up with your character. So these are not like low level usage spells. You will be using them and they will be worthwhile as you continue on in the campaign. Yeah, so seeing something like that, I think Juridic Warrior is awesome because I think it this really puts the W in Ranger, uh, so to speak. I think the ability for a Ranger to pick up Shillelagh and use their wisdom to smack the shit out of people is pretty cool and also very potent because it, it makes it to where your alliance goes from, oh, I might I need dexterity. I need strength. I need some constitution. Wisdom is also there, but I mean, I can just get spells that don't really use wisdom or rely on like a saving throw. But now this really, between Juridic Warrior and a subclass like Fae Wanderer, it gives a lot of incentive to really prioritize that wisdom score. Maybe not over everything, but there's a pretty good argument to prioritize it over everything yeah i would say instead of having to deal with three ability scores that have to be like above average as a ranger you could technically just use two and take the shillelagh option or you know just that juridic where ability dump points into wisdom you know and not only will you be taking some of those more unique like spell saving spells that deal a bunch of damage to begin with you'll also be taking something like shillelagh or thorn whip you could be you're not a full caster but you can treat your character like one and with the subclass options that some of these give you it's just all i'm saying and i think brian can agree with me i'm excited to play a ranger oh, in my next campaign yeah, or I- something me and Nick, we really enjoy the aesthetic of a ranger. It's been a long time coming to get it online to rival some of the other classes in the game as far as power goes. But I think that the changes in Tasha's really does that. I think it puts it on the map. Yeah. And I think especially Fae Wander is extremely strong. And I think that a class like Swarmkeeper or a subclass like Swarmkeeper is very fun. And I think we'll be seeing a lot more Ranger players. All right. So, and lastly, I wanted to go over the feats in Tasha's. Feats are things that it, technically it's an optional rule in and, of, in and of itself. But I think a lot of the player base lean toward using feats. I think it's a really good part of the game. Whenever you get an ability score improvement, which for most classes are at levels 4, 8, 12, 16, and 19, you can either choose to improve your one of your ability scores by 2 or two of them by 1, or feats, which can substitute in for that ability score improvement. So as opposed to improving your stats, Usually you get something that's like a little bit more active or can affect different aspects of the game other than just how strong your character is, how smart they are, how dexterous they are. So this is one of my favorite parts of the game. I I think that feats as a system or a subsystem of Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition is one of the most beloved features of the game. And I personally love a lot of these additions in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And I wanted to get your thoughts, Nick, on which one 
was your favorite? Which one were you most looking forward to? Or which one you saw and were like, wow, this is super strong, super dope, and or adds a lot of flavor? Oh, I'd say like feats. You can obviously play a class, a race, or even a subclass of someone else. And, you know, you could get multiple of those. Feats really define a character when you look at them, like in depth and that the ones i want to talk about specifically are one called the metamatic adept and the eldritch adept so both are kind of only for spell casters and they give you like little boosts that the original class idea comes from so for example the eldritch adept is kind of based on what features a warlock gets this one gives you an Eldritch Invocation, and that's like a unique feature granted only to the Warlocks at certain like points in the game. So at level one, you'll have two, but later you get three, four, five. I think it goes up to six in total. If it doesn't, you can get out Eldritch Adept and make it six. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to talk about. You know, you could take this for a different class as like a wizard and hell, you could you get like a permanent mage armor with one of the invocations. But if you take this early level as a warlock, getting that early level additional Eldritch invocation, man, your character is going to start off strong. And that's all I got to say about that. And similar idea, the metamagic ability from the sorcerer class giving metamagic adept as a feat in Pasha's to add to a sorcerer at early levels, you get two additional sorcery points from it. And so that means at level four, you could have six. As opposed to four, you can have six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the basis is sorcerers get sorcery points based off their level. Taking this feature, you add two to it, and also you get two more metamagic options from the sorcerer class. You know, adding these sub feats to their main class just seems so strong to me, and I'm very excited to like use these features as how I kind of intend to play it soon. For the Eldridge Adept and the Metamagic Adept, I feel like this is pretty a pretty intelligent way to buff the warlock and the sorcerer classes. I think the warlock has a very loud community. I think a lot of people who play warlocks only play warlocks and it's a cool class, but I think it does have like a lot of loyalty to it. And so the people who feel like, oh, the class should be stronger. We have these things that are always holding us back. I think that this is a good way to buff the class kind of indirectly and say like, hey, if you want this option, you can get it at any ability score improvement level that you attain. And also it opens it up for other people to get as well, which I think is rad. Uh, furthermore, away from the Warlocks, I think that Sorcerer is also another class that people have a certain loyalty to. I don't think that they're as loyal as Warlocks, but I think people understand that Sorcerer between Wizard, Warlock, and Sorcerer, those are, those three are usually pretty closely associated. I think that people realize that like Sorcerer usually has the short end of the stick. At least that's what I've seen. And I think that Metamagic Adept almost single-handedly opens it up and, and pulls that class up quite a bit. Like yeah, it yeah. just tips the scale that much more 
in their favor. And I think that's crazy. I want to commend the designers for a creative way to solve. They might not be problems, but solve things that people want or are asking for their classes. Yeah. And not only are those two super interesting and unique features for their respective classes and these other feats you know I would say it would be a very smart idea to take these like I would always take metamagic adept now on a sorcerer as fast as I can but you also have some other more martial type uh, feats that you know grant you bonuses to certain damage types which you know I was I was thinking about it and uh piercer came to mind you get your cool ability score improvement of course everybody wants that and then i think it wait here let me look i got it right here once per turn when you hit a creature with an attack that deals piercing damage you can re-roll one of the attacks damage dice and you must use the new roll and when you score a critical usually rolling a natural 20 on the dice you can roll an additional damage die when determining the extra piercing damage so usually the way that I do it, at least, I like to roll double dice. So if I if my character is wielding a lance, I would roll a, on a normal strike, I, I would roll a 12-sided dice, and I would add my strength modifier. If I crit without the piercer feat, then I would use, I would get a second 12-sided dice or a d12, and roll that and then add my strength modifier with this you add a third so it'd be your d12 from normal an additional d12 from the crit and an additional d12 from the piercer feet resulting in a skewering of an opponent I'm thinking of the road when I see this feet and oh this is a good one I, I want to take this Especially My mind for... immediately went to Zaymond. I don't know. <laughs> I was yeah. just thinking of a giant fighter wielding yeah. a lance. I mean, they pike. they also have the slasher and the bludgeoner one, which is the cool. crusher. The crusher, oh, but the piercer one on rogue sounds so good. Especially since you can reroll one of the attack damage dice. And that's any from the sneak attack. Any dice from the sneak attack you have is really good, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one that I know Brian is with me on this. They added a feature called the Fae Touched. This so- feat is a bomb. Basically, Fae Touched, first off, you get to increase intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. Some people refer to these as the mental stats. You can increase any of those stats by one. Additionally, you learn Misty Step, which is a second level spell. And it is a verbal component only. Line of sight, 30 foot teleport as a bonus action is an extremely strong ability and a favorite both to myself and a lot of people that I know. And not only that, you can get a first level spell that is of the divination or enchantment school of magic. And immediately I looked up which spells were divination and enchantment whenever I saw this. And the one that immediately caught my eye was Hunter's Mark. The fact that you can get Hunter's Mark, which is usually a ranger only spell, and Misty Step in the same feat is insane. There is a similar feat to this in the player's handbook called the Magic Initiate. Magic Initiate allows you to get two cantrips from 
either wizard, druid, bard, cleric, or warlock. So any of the full casters, and it allows you to get two cantrips from the respective class, also a first level spell from that class, but you have to use that class's ability score. So for example, warlocks and bards use charisma as their spell casting modifier. So if you didn't have the best charisma, but you wanted a warlock spell or a bard spell, you were kind of shit out of luck and you were stuck with like kind of bad modifier for it. But for this, the spell casting ability is the ability that you increase with this feat. So let's say that you are a wizard so you're going to have a high intelligence more than likely, or at least that's the stat that you're likely to prioritize, but you want a cleric or a druid or warlock spell or really any spell because it just says divination or enchantment. It doesn't have a class requirement, then you can get one and it will scale off your intelligence modifier, which is just pretty insane to me. So if, if it's a saving throw, they can use, use your normal uh, saving throw DC or difficulty level. And it this thing is just absolutely insane. I, I can't put it into perspective. Furthermore, if you have spell slots to cast with normally, you can use those spell slots to cast these. So usually it'll just be like a one and done type thing per a long rest. But if you have spell slots from your class, you can also use your spell slots of the appropriate level to cast them again. Brian mentioned Hunter's Mark, and that's pretty pivotal to like certain classes as like all I can think of that gets it. It's a ranger. The ranger is the only class that gets it. And also a paladin subclass. I forget which one. Really? Yeah, I think it's Oath of Vengeance. But that's a good option. You also have Detect Magic. You also have Bane. You also have Bless. You also have Charm Person. Man, this you have Hex as well. Another similar focused ability to Hunter's Mark. You have Sleep. I mean, man, there's so many good options. This feat gives the character in through their like first level choices oh I, i'm just crazy about this one man this one is probably the magnum opus like the cream of the crop feed yeah. from this oh, supplement definitely. i would like to say that my honorable mention is the chef feat. I fell in love with this feat whenever it was released in the Unearthed Arcana. I loved the idea of it. You get a constitution or wisdom score improvement by one. You gain proficiency with cooked utensils if you don't already have it, which is just a fun little thing. Like, look at my guy. He's a little, little chef. And on a short rest, you can let four plus your proficiency modifier roll an additional 1d8 for the purposes of regaining hit points on a short rest. And not only that, whenever you have a one hour work window, which is also conveniently usually a short rest, you can cook some treats for your friends. And as a bonus action, they can pop them into their mouth, get some temporary HP. You can help your buddies without actually using a spell or, you know, doing anything arcane, divine. It's just the power of food. I love this scene so much. I immediately started making a character revolving around it. There's also the fact that it, when you finish a long rest, you just have these. You can say you, you've created them in your time. So you're getting these like every day. Those are like 
it's a really fun beat, I'd have to say. I wouldn't take it as like an improvement on a character, but like Brian said, focusing on it for the like flavor aspect as well as just the like the fun abilities it has as well. Ooh, I feel like that'd be a funny character to play. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely have an idea cooking in the stew, so to speak. Okay, you want to hear my honorable mention? I would love to hear your honorable mention, Nick. So, it's the Poisoner feat, which poison damage is usually bottom tier damage type. It is the most resisted game. in the game, I believe. Yes. And then when you do this, when you take his feet, it ignores the resistance from that poison. You can apply it to a weapon piece as a bonus action instead of an action and some other stuff about like making poisons but i'm i'm focused on those first two being super well crafted and like the little booklet they gave out called one grug grung above allows you to play this monster type called a grung and as one of their abilities they can apply like their like mucus skin as a poison to their weapons that takes an action right so you put it on that you put your own mucus on like a, a crossbow bolt or sword and it ignores the resistance type. Man, I just thought of that little thing. And I really wanna I really wanna play a grunt now. It's all coming together. It's uh, all here. Yeah, I really enjoyed this feat just looking at it. I actually I suggested it to one of my players in my campaign because he just hit level three. He's going for an assassin build. And I think that this is a pretty good way to flesh out that archetype furthermore i believe in the dungeon master's guide they have a small little area for different types of poisons and i think if you really want to delve into that and work with your dungeon master as a player to make these higher level poisons then that would be something that's really awesome and cool yeah i played i played an assassin for one shot uh you were in is a fun little game we had but when I was like making the character for the game, some of these poisons, like the items, they deal a lot of poison damage. Yeah. On top of if you are playing that rogue character, you do your sneak attack damage with, say, I don't know, an extra 68 on top of that. Yeah, you're going to need a calculator for that much damage. Yeah. Yeah. But if I had this feat available to me before, I definitely would have taken it. Yeah. I would have used more poison uh, available instead of just buying this high level one. Yeah. I think this is a great one for the thief. I think like usually the thief revolves around like crossbow expert from the player's handbook, maybe skulker also from the player's handbook athlete from the player's handbook. They haven't really gotten a feat where I was like, yeah, this is for the rogue. Up until the Poisoner. I think the Poisoner in particular is like, yeah, this this is good. And this is very on-brand and very flavorful and matches the aesthetic. I think my honorable mention for my honorable mention is also Artificer Initiate. You can learn one cantrip from the Artificer. You can cast a level one spell without a spell slot. Also from the Artificer class, which has one of the most diverse portfolios for classes. They don't necessarily have the most amount of spells, but they also have a very wide variety 
yeah, a lot of different spells from different uh, classes into yeah. it. So you get like ranger, paladin, wizard, and all of that's just you take this feat and you get access to some of that stuff and also the tool proficiency actually which i find pretty useful yeah i really like this one too it's not the strongest i'll say that especially since fun. yeah it is limited to intelligence as the spellcasting uh, ability but it looks pretty fun to use say with like maybe an eldritch knight all right and to finish it off for today we're gonna give a hot take for tosh's if you have one hot take to give about this supplement what is it i would say i've heard a lot of people you know warlock oh my god gushing over it all this stuff i don't like the subclasses offered in the warlock on this game or in this book I think they look cool. I don't really enjoy it, especially the genie one. I think that's like one of the weaker subclasses in this new book. Well, all right. That is a hot take. Not necessarily one that I disagree with, but I think that is a hot take. My hot take is that the telekinetic feat is not that good. I think a Uh, lot of people have been gushing over it, and I think that like it's cool, but I don't think it's that crazy. Just takes a cantrip gust, and then you're good. Yeah, like you get the ASI, you get Mage Hand, and you can cast it without verbal or somatic components, which is like cool. Usually won't come up anyways. Um, and then you I can push someone like, five feet. This would be like a feat for like a DM's NPC that they're running against you or just have in the game. You know, as a flavorful thing, it's really good, but man... I'm with you on this hot take. <laughs> the only class or subclasses that I can see getting a lot out of it would be the Swarm Keeper or the... Swarm Keeper actually gets its own Mage Hand, so... Yeah, well, I'm, what I'm saying is cl- subclasses that can use Mage Hand more effectively than all the other subclasses. So the Swarm uh, Keeper, for example, has some certain abilities that it can use with Mage Hand. And also the Arcane Trickster already has ability to use its Thieves tools with Mage Hand. And I think that this would be a pretty cool addition if you really wanted to lean into that. But other than that, I think it's pretty underwhelming and one of the weaker ones in the book. Uh, takes for y'all. <laughs> I think mine's a bit more, uh, I'm, I'm a bit open to criticism about, tell me if uh, the genie's any good, Brian. <laughs> but right now, I'm just on the fence about these new Warlock classes. That's going to be it for this episode of After Session. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to be notified about the, the next episode and leave a rating on this one. Share your suggestions with me on Twitter at BrianMcCatton1. And we'll talk after next session rolls around. See ya.